Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Darnell Singleton. He is a videographer, editor, and the funky cow in charge at Four Funky Cows Productions. Hello, Darnell. Hello, Mish. Who are the funky cows? The funky cows are us. Us? Are there four of us? There's four of us. <laughs> and what do, what, why funky cows? Well, uh, when I was in college and I uh, was a student, I was taking a video production class and I, I was concurrently teaching a bunch of kids uh, a Bible uh, lesson. And I couldn't get them to remember the scriptures I was trying to teach them. And so I just, just out of frustration, says, okay, well, I'll make a movie if you remember these Bible scriptures. And they come back the next weekend and and they remembered everything that I was trying to get them to remember. Yeah, when before I just could not handle these 30 kids. And so... Uh, they said, all right, cool, you're making a movie. What's the name of our production company? And I just blurted out, Four Funky Cows. <laughs> and they just start cracking up. And that was that. And that was that. Oh, so it was inspired. Yes. Inspired <laughs> by children. I love, well, that's a good inspiration to have. Yes. So that's awesome. So what kind of videos do you guys do? We do documentaries. We do uh, motion pictures, uh, you know, com- comedies, dramas. Uh, we do reality television shows. Uh, kind of, you know, kind of go the gamut. A good mix. Yeah, good is, mix. Is there, is there a project you have that's your favorite? That's my favorite? My right f- now, like at this point in time. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, at this point in time, I'm working on a documentary on Ferguson called Hands Up. And it's a five-part documentary. It's uh, Each part is an hour. And uh, it's about the Ferguson uprising. So yeah. that, that's my favorite at the moment. Uh, yeah, and I think it's amazing that you're doing this. So so when I was introduced to you and you, I got a little bit of the story and then I said, don't tell me anymore because yeah. we're going to do this on the podcast. And I love when it's all organic and everything. But then when I was stalking you a little bit because so, <laughs> I have to stalk everybody ahead of time and find out about them and up comes a video and it says Darnell Singleton arrested for videoing is that you no I, I was chased but they didn't catch me but was it really because you were videoing what was going on and they were like no you can't video this yeah i i think um the video you're referring to we were in front of the ferguson police department yes. and i videotaped people being arrested I, I did that quite a bit okay um i never did get arrested myself good although i was you know inches from it quite often and so ferguson this is such a huge heavy topic yeah right um and and there's so many i mean like there was what the media chose to show us but i and you know just from talking to other people that there's way more to that story than what the media chose so from your perspective what did you see oh boy that's uh i saw a lot i i I got to it was a great education uh because not only did you get to see the justice system at work in the way that it treated African-Americans, you also got to see uh, the community react to the way the justice system had treated them. And um, there were so many just like tentacles that came from 
Mike Brown's death, right. you know, in, in terms of criminal justice, in terms of um, economics. Uh, it was just every conversation that you want to have about America could be encapsulated in that one event. And I've always said that Mike Brown is the Emmett Till of our time, you know, because our nation is at a tipping point where, again, we have to wrestle with this issue of race. Right. And each generation has to decide how to handle it. You know, the progress that's been made from the past generations is, you know, it's, it, it sort of wears off. Well, that's what it feels like, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's progress that is made and then then forces kind of come in and go, oh, well, let's go back a little bit. Yeah. Like there's a pushback. Right. You know, Um I think we're feeling that a little bit now. Yeah. Uh, but so what I find really, I mean, you lived there, right? You mm-hmm. were like like what, how, a block away. Oh, and you're yeah, like, like this is going on and I am armed with my video camera. Yes. And I will be showing some of this <laughs> to people. Right. And then, and then after you're videoing this, and then did you just put it up on social media right away, or what were you? What was the? Was there a thought, or did you just feel like I got to go do this? I don't well, know what this is going to look like yet, but I'm going. There you go. That's that exact, was it. That's exactly what it was. You right. know, I'm, I'm a filmmaker, and so uh, when I saw the news on Twitter, um, I was like, "Wow, it's right down the street from my house." Oh my gosh! So, so my instinct would would just normally be to grab my camera, which I do. So I just grabbed my camera and I took it along for the ride. You know, I went to see what was going on because I really didn't know. And uh, like you were saying, you know, you're getting images from the media and things from the media. And then I have people calling me, telling me something different. I'm like, wow, I need to go down here and try and find some witnesses. So, So that was like my MO when I went down there with my camera. I was just going up to people, hey, are you a witness? And they were like, yeah, I saw what happened. And so I hit the red button. Tell me what you saw, you know, just completely unfiltered. So I wanted to kind of get the perspective from people who actually saw what happened. Right, right. Interesting. So this um, documentary you're working on, I'm going to guess some of that footage will be in the documentary. Absolutely. That you took right then and there. And then have you found some of those people to discuss later, like what they felt happened later? Or who else are you talking to? Um, most of my documentary is, is more man on the street. Okay. So you get, you know, people who are watching someone be arrested and a cop may have just tackled somebody, you know, and, and Cornell West is sitting there watching this and I've got my camera. And he turns to my camera and go, did you just see that? <laughs> you wow. Know? So, it's, so it's kind of different than, uh, you know, eight or nine months later after they've had a chance to process everything. You're showing like, here's what happened there yeah, at that here moment. And that, yeah, and so you kind of get a different feel. You know, you get a different twist on, even the emotion is different. You know, everything is just raw and in the moment. Oh, wow. This is going to be so interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's what I really loved about being there is that, you know, you would have these conversations happening everywhere. People you didn't know, people who didn't know each other, but they would just be out there to three, four, five o'clock in the morning having conversations. Oh, wow. And that was the awesome part about it. And a lot of people were scared to go to Ferguson because... Well, it looked like bombs were going off and it was the entire city when really it was only a couple blocks, right? Yeah, that was 1%. 
right. of what was really going on down there. I mean, it was people struggling with the soul of the nation. Wow. Yeah. Oh, Darnell, this is so interesting. And I, I love the, I, mean, I just love the way you talk about it. Yeah. I love the thoughts and the whole idea that it was just this microcosm of what was really going on. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there were so many um, opinions being thrown around about it, you know, mm-hmm. and and I was like, I can't possibly have an opinion about this. I wasn't there. I didn't live in Ferguson. I didn't know what was boiling under the surface for yeah. so long that caused this to just go bam. You know what? There's so much more than yeah. what people were. You know, I just felt like some people were flippantly just saying things and not really thinking about. You don't know. And you know what Ferguson did for me? It showed me how ignorant I was. Because before Ferguson happened, I was a building inspector. Okay. And I worked in the city every single day for four years. And, um, you know, we went to the same court as the police. We drove police cars. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was about as close to a police officer, except I was in I was a house police. Oh, okay. and so working for the city, you get to see the inner workings of what's going on, right? You know, in the city, you get to meet you. You know, my boss was the director of public works. His boss was the city manager. You know what I mean? Right. I, I would have to deal with the council and the mayor all the time. I would have you know, breakfast with the mayor's mother, drink coffee every morning before work, you know, because you just get to know people like that. Sure. And when Ferguson happened, I just went, wait a minute. You know, I've got three sons who walk the streets of Ferguson every day. And I had no idea what was going on in the police department. And I was down there in the belly of the beast every day. Interesting. I felt like an idiot. I really did because but, but, <laughs> you know, but you just didn't know you weren't subjected to that to the what the you know you just weren't subjected to it. So how would you possibly know? But it is interesting because I felt the same way. Yeah. I was like, wow, you know, that's like a hop, skip, and a jump. Yeah, Ferguson. Yeah. You know, and and I had no idea all this was going on. You yeah. know, it just wasn't part of what we were talking about. And it really challenges a lot, a lot of our assumptions about what is for people. You so know, I want to go there with you. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back with Darnell and we'll, we'll talk about that. So we're back with Darnell Singleton, and we were talking about the things you learned. What what was not shown to you being actually really close to what was going on in the city of Ferguson with the, mm-hmm. the powers that be that you didn't even you didn't see until Ferguson happened. Okay. I mean, and now it is. I mean, that, that's what we call it, right? Yeah, yeah. I pray for Ferguson to one day not be to not be thought of in that, but that's what we think of when we say Ferguson. Yeah. So tell me. So what was happening was. Uh, on the ground, the city was uh, trying to um, solidify its its economic base, and it was using the police department to make money, <laughs> you know, and and pay basically pay its bills, and the majority of that money would come from 
African-Americans who the police officers were pulling over in the city at a much higher rate than anybody. Oh, And gosh. so it had turned um, their lives into a living hell because oftentimes, you know, these were people who didn't have uh, deep pockets and they would get caught in the in the court system and couldn't pay the fines. And when they couldn't pay the fines, they would have a warrant out for their arrest. And then they would go to jail and be locked up and, you know, just caught in that whole right. death spiral. I mean, that's really prison. what it is because yeah. you get caught. And I've, oh my gosh. And I've heard about this, how people, they can't pay the, and they end up in jail forever for something so minor yeah. and ridiculous, yeah. but because they can't afford to get themselves out, and so that's changing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that has changed. Yeah. The, the state law changed. Um, like the city of Ferguson was getting about 32% of its income from fines and tickets. Oh, gosh. And uh, once the state law changed, I think you can't get more than uh, either 12 or 15% from fines and fees. Gotcha. So it was a system that was being abused, but, <clears throat> you know, it was coming from the top. You know, the the city manager was putting pressure on the police chief. Right. And the police chief would then translate that to his officers and say, hey, look, we got to write more tickets. And then the officers would go out and they would do it. And then it would swing back around to the mayor. And the mayor would look and go, oh, boy, our budget's looking good. Keep doing what you're doing. Right. <laughs> you know and, what I mean? And then not thinking about where is this money actually they're, coming they're from. not thinking about who's being abused in the process. Right. You know, it always interests me that people, um, you know, they come up with something like, here's a solution to our problem. Here's Mm -hmm. the solution, but it may not be the solution. They haven't thought it all the way through. And, And there's so many things. I mean, people will figure out ways around what a law is like the integrity of something they will figure out ways around this is what this is all about and what it's meant to do but then they'll start abusing and coming up with their own interesting ways of answering something as opposed to saying maybe this isn't the way to do it right you know maybe we we got to rethink what we're doing here Mm -hmm. you know um people are wily they come up with things (laughs) <laughs> like Wiley Coyote. That's the last Wiley, Wiley I remember. <laughs> so when you were there in the thick of all of this, yeah. I mean, tell me some of the the things that really stood out to you. What what were the memories that you're like, I will never forget this? I'll never forget this woman. Uh, we were in front of Ferguson Market one night, and there was a phalanx of police officers along with the big bobcats and all the military-style vehicles were there. Right. And this woman was just screaming to no person in particular, uh, what are you going to say to my son? And she just kept saying, what are you going to say to my son? She had this little 10-year-old boy there with her, and he looked terrified. Aww. You know, he's he's standing there, and he's looking at these police officers, and he's sh- literally shaking. She said, what are you going to say to my son? She said, I was, you know, down there when Mike Brown was killed. We had gone to get some school supplies for my son and we got trapped in Canfield and he had to see a dead body lay on the ground for four hours. Right. And she said, how do you undo the damage that's been done inside his mind and his spirit? Exactly. She said, I need some answers. You know, I need somebody here. And all these police are just standing there, you know, like stone-faced, and therein lied the crux of the matter for me. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. It It was was almost like 
they couldn't show humanity because their they, stance was they weren't trained to we're do powerful. that. They were powerful. We're the power. Yeah. And then there's this little boy who's obviously traumatized yeah. and going to have to heal from this trauma at right. some point. Right. As is other people mm-hmm. from the community. Because that's just that's just awful. And throughout that whole process, I never saw one grief counselor out on the street. Really? So no this, one came to like the state Let's of Missouri provided nothing with regard to the psychological trauma that people were going through. Because they do that at schools. Yeah. Right? As soon as a, a, something like that, it's like income the grief counselors, yeah. income the people to Not help the, support you mentally. And the police force has this, yeah. right? They have people to help them, but no one was sent in to help everybody deal with, because that's a lot to sort out. What just happened? Oh yeah, and 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 I still to this day am confused about ever, so many things around it because these videos would come out and then you would go, oh, that really wasn't Michael Brown, you know, that you saw in that video. Oh, you remember the one about Darren Wilson where his face was just all beaten and battered and it was just flying around the internet. I did not see that and one, so tell it, me. It, well, part of the narrative of Michael Brown was that he rushed a police officer. And beat him, you know, sort of kind of beat him up is was the implication. Okay. And so there was a photo that was floated around the internet right around the time of his killing that Mike Brown had beat Darren Wilson up so bad that he swole his eyes shut. And, you know, it, it come to find out it wasn't Darren Wilson in that photo that people were circulating on the internet. It was... Fake news. <laughs> oh, I got you. And I mean, and I feel like there was a lot of fake news oh, yeah. during that time because, you know, people, stuff was just flying around and you just felt like, I don't even know. I mean, yeah. it, and I still feel like I, I have no clue. I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful to people like you that are willing to come forward and say, here's what I saw. Yeah. You know, here, and here's what people other people saw you know like this is this is the story that i that i can say is truthful to this is what i saw i mean you're you're not right yeah and 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 it brings us around to this conversation of media literacy uh because this is the first election if if you want to talk about politics this is the first election that we've had this is kind of like the first generation of uh, people that we've had who've had to deal with being media literate. Right. Meaning knowing who the content is coming from and what their mo- motives and purposes are. And, you know, having the skills to decipher, you know, the true from the false. And uh, that's more relevant now than anything, you know, because it's so difficult with the young, you know, I mean, with young people, the things that come out and that they believe and, and well, and quite frankly, the people that just become celebrities over ridiculousness, Yeah, you know, that I'm just like, I don't understand why that person is a celebrity. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, there's, it's really confusing and, and I've gotten to where I really just don't believe most of what I hear. Mm -hmm. I, I am not sure. And, and I feel like the media is sometimes they're making the news. I'm like, no, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to report it. Yeah. Not make it. Which is why it's incumbent upon us to educate ourselves and to become media literate. You know, we have to learn how to handle 
these images that we're seeing and hearing yeah. and know how to process the intent of them because you know every message that you get on the every video that you get has a creator and each you know each one has a purpose and and it's up to us to not only teach ourselves but to train our kids on how to be media literate so that they have the you know s- skills to decipher the truth from the false and they know how to uh, manage and handle, you know, content that they receive on the internet because it's just gonna it's just gonna be a part of all of our lives from here on out, and you know. I think we should call you Professor Darnell, and I think that you <laughs> should start your own. Uh, seriously, I think that you should be offering a class somewhere on media literacy because oh I mean, th- I think yes. it's a. I mean, it's become so important. Yeah. It's become so important for people to know and to decipher what's for real and what isn't. Because the stuff that flies around on the internet, even cute things, Mm -hmm. you know, like I really did believe that there was some guy making cute little sweaters for penguins. For what? And then I found out later that it was not real. And I was very disappointed because I wanted the cute sweaters for the penguins. I wanted the nice man to be making the cute sweaters for the penguins. (laughs) And so when I found like I'm disappointed and I also feel like a real dingbat that I thought this was for real you know what I mean and then I'm like and I consider myself a relatively smart human being and I'm getting you know I'm being well I believe that oh my gosh naive but it's it's true I mean can I take your class when you give it you know what I have some friends at Webster University who are more <laughs> eminently qualified to teach media literacy than I am. I would like to. I think I should talk to them. But that is, it's, it's yes. a great subject and mm-hmm. I just love it. Well, we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back with question time. We'll lighten up a little bit. Okay, so we're going to lighten up a little bit because you and I actually met at an improv mm-hmm. event that we went to, or an improv class that yeah. we went to. Yeah. So, and But you go pretty regularly. I do whenever so, Bob's in town. I love it. Bob Baker. <laughs> Bob Baker. Oh, and he was he was on the podcast recently. Oh, oh let me tell, so, let me tell so you about what, Tell me about improv. So I want to know why improv for you. Tell Bob, me. Bob is gonna kill me for this, but that's all right. We were at we were at an improv class with Bob and uh Josh, the, mm-hmm. the gen- one of the owners of Medici Josh Media Levy, Space, right? Josh Levy. <laughs> we Bob was teaching us how to improv. So uh, right in the middle of him teaching us how to improv, we just started improving. Some guy did this, and I did this, and then Josh did that, and somebody else around the room <laughs> did that, and we all just started. <laughs> just we all just started making stuff up, and Bob was like, "This is like teaching an insane asylum." <laughs> He's trying to teach improv, and we're improving the improver. And, and he's like, "Don't do that." Yeah, he's like, "Don't good. do that." And we were like, "We're gonna do that." But we're such good students. Oh, it we was just so, improv on the go. It was so hilarious, and and you know that that's part of exactly that's part of flowing. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? I, I mean, it, you know how it is. I get it. You know, you're having a good conversation. You're having a good meal. You know, if you're playing basketball, and off you go. sometimes you get in the zone, you know, where you just cannot be stopped. And, and to me, that's what good <laughs> improv is. I, well, he's I mean, taught you well. He just didn't even know it. He, yeah, he didn't even know it. He, uh, <laughs> but it is. I When I took the class, I was... I. The thing that I used to always think, oh, I would be good at improv because I'm so quick. Mm-hmm. But you can't because at improv, you don't know when you're up. So even if you're trying to follow a conversation and, and things are going, you're like, oh, I know what I'm going to say. Yeah. Right? You know, you can't because you don't know when your time is going to happen. Yes. So you're the whole time you're just standing there like, when is he going to point to me? And I was like, I got to say something, you know? And I mean, it was, but I loved it. I thought it was so fun. And you really do learn a lot from it. And the thing I loved about it as well was it, it's really about listening. Yeah. You right. have to, you have to listen. The whole time. Yes, you do. And not let your listening ears stop. You have yes. to like be in awareness and listening the entire time. Absolutely. Which is a great lesson for everybody. It right? really is. Yeah. So improv classes at Medici every Wednesday. Just email me. <laughs> I will tell you. They are fun. <laughs> okay. And you can hang out with Darnell, who is really fun. <laughs> um, so, okay. This is one of those things I think about with videographers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you view the world through your lens? Like, are you looking at things and thinking, oh, that would make a good video. I wish I could get a shot of that. Like, do you think about that a lot? Yeah. I dream about it too. Really? It's kind of crazy. I do. Sometimes I go to sleep and I wake up and I go, oh, that'd be a good movie. <laughs> <You> start writing. <laughs> Have you ever looked at the next day and went, whoa, what was I thinking? Yeah. Like that movie <clears throat> looks like it was in an alternate universe. <laughs> Abs- absolutely. I have this film I haven't made yet that came from a dream. It's one of those situations where it came from a dream. I was sleeping <laughs> and I woke up and I went, why am I dreaming about Danny DeVito? <laughs> 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 you know what I'm saying? So is he going to be the star of your oh, film? Oh yeah, the name of the movie is called The Death of Danny DeVito. <laughs> I don't know. Do you was, think he, he was, wants to star in this film? Oh, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. And, and basically the film, no, I'm not going to give away the film. Don't give it away. Uh, but I love the idea. Well, it's like, what is that one about John Malkovich where they're inside his head? Yes. Yeah. It's that kind of right, movie. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. I love it. Oh, uh, that's, okay. So can I be um, one of your extras? I'm really good at that. Yeah. Okay, good. Can you get me three or four million dollars? Um, we could. Why not? We could. Let's do it. <laughs> Shock City got it. <laughs> Shock City would would like to produce it. Shock City, Shock City, yeah, that would be dope. Sounds like wait, wait a minute. We'd have incredible audio. <laughs> I can't agree to this. <laughs> um, all right. So, do you have? Oh well, no. And that the kind of the Danny DeVito thing answers that. One. I was going to ask yeah. about a dream project, but mm-hmm. is there what is like? To, have you had like the gut? laugh lately like what well, you do it all the time but like what is one of the funniest things that you've seen recently that you could share with us <laughs> are you serious i'm serious <laughs> with the internet Whoa. i see funny stuff all the time <laughs> well do you have a favorite video out there right now oh I should my look goodness up? i was watching this video yesterday <laughs> i wish i could show it to you and it was just this dude online in a post office uh, outfit. Okay. And he was just like dancing. Uh, <laughs> it was stupid. Just goofy dancing? Oh, yeah. He was oh, just, I love he goofy dancing. He thought he dancing. was cool, but it, it, it was 
Have you ever seen the Dream Hands guy? I dream hands. Dream hands. I, think I think he calls it dream hands. It's, well, it's something to see. I will find <laughs> it and send it to you because it's pretty funny. Yeah. I love it. So any other projects you're, you're working on the documentary, do you yep. have an idea when it's going to be out? Uh, we're going to start releasing uh, this month. Really? Near, near the end of the and month. And where yeah. do we go watch it? Uh, you'll be able to get it on Amazon. I think part, part one will be up probably in September. Oh my gosh, will you send it to me as soon as it's Absolutely. up? Because I really do want to watch it. Absolutely. And then do you have any other projects that are in the works that you're looking to do? Um, uh, besides that, that's been kind of like my... Taking up. You know, that that's a great question. Um, because we had been doing a protest at a place called Ferguson Market Dope and Liquor. Okay. And this is an interesting conversation yeah. because it goes Let's back. Let's hear this. It goes back to the whole Mike Brown thing. Okay. And, you know, that's the place where Mike Brown went and he was, you know, trading the cigarette, you know, the drugs at the counter with the guys from Ferguson Market. And so people from the community in Ferguson decided to protest the market. Gotcha. Um, and one thing has led to another. And, and uh, over the past four or five days, the market's been closed because of the protest. Really? Yes. And so um, there's a meeting scheduled on this Friday with the uh, owners of the market, with Mike Brown's dad and uh, state rep and, you know, several other people who are trying to bring a resolution to the situation. Got you. And again, one of these uh, conversations that we're having while people are all gathered around. Right. We started talking about what does justice look like what does you know um life look like for the community after you know this whole ferguson situation is is kind of brought to a head right which you know people have been protesting for four years it still hasn't stopped and so um Mike Brown was out in front of the market and uh they put a sign that said Mike Brown market you know on the door and we all started talking and said, man, wouldn't it be wonderful if uh, Mike Brown had, his dad had a market, had his own business where they could sell fresh fruits and vegetables and, you know, just, it would be like a Trader Joe's. Right, got ya. you. Like know, a way to commemorate, yeah, but also heal. And, and bring, heal, right, yes. Gotcha. You know, and, and it would also provide an economic floor for his family and and maybe jumpstart a, you know, economic revolution where black businesses can begin to build, you know, and and create a viable space that they can use to support the future. And, you know, because the the protests have been going on hot and heavy and everybody's asking, well, what do you want? Right. What do you want? Yeah. What? Why? So. 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 That. That hasn't been answered yet. The reason for the protest is just like we don't like this, so let's stop. Right. Right. But what's the answer? So I drew a mock-up. <gasps> you did. Here's a mock-up of, of of Mike Brown Market. Oh my gosh! All right, here I'm gonna show. I get to. Sh- I, I'm showing this to everybody out there. Let me get a little. So you guys closer. were on Facebook Live. You could see it, but. Facebook Live people get to see it. Sorry, you guys on podcast camp, but there is Darnell's concept. You drew that? Can I just stop with you with the art, too? No, I did what I always do. I just stole a picture off the internet and photoshopped it. Oh, well, (laughs) let's go. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
But, you know, that's a, that's a cool vision. Yeah. You know, for, for what, um, what, what to me would be, you know, a wonderful commemoration of that young yeah, man's life. And an interesting you know. resolution, too. Yeah, you know. Well, Darnell, you're amazing. So that's what I'm working on. That you know, more than anything, I would I would love to see a community just thriving and growing, and and people having opportunities. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and experiencing you know this country in a light that you know they they could be proud of and and not be oppressed and and experience you know love and and and. And, and just have what we're supposed to, what yeah. we want to create yeah. as a humanity. Well, I love that you, Ferguson is lucky that you're there and well, willing you, to Mitch. be, you know, one of the people to tell the story and to work on healing. Yeah. And that is super appreciated. Thank so thank you. you. You're welcome. Thank Thanks you. Thank being. you for having me. Well, this thank was you for being fun. on here. This is awesome. I, I was so excited. It, I finally made it to the legendary oh. shock Studios, baby. Oh my gosh, see, we're here, we're at Shock City, we got it going on, so it's awesome. Yeah, it's a great facility, Uh, thanks for having me. Well, thank you, Darnell, for being a guest. You're welcome. And for everyone out there, thank you so much for listening. Go to Mishmash on iTunes and subscribe, and have awesome days. 